You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, as you noticed, I didn't get one out yesterday. I promised you a uh, laughing at the enemy, but I had the whole media circuit going on yesterday. I had two different podcasts that I was on. And so on top of doing uh, Packernet After Dark, I just I just didn't have time. So we do have to kind of move on, but I also want to honor my commitments. So what we're going to do is a little bit of mis, uh, mix and match. We'll talk a little bit of football. We'll make fun of the Bears. <laughs> talk a little football we'll make fun of the vikings and maybe we'll just do that all week we'll just pepper in laughing at the enemy throughout the week i say maybe because i never know so since we were supposed to begin with laughing at the enemy why don't we start with laughing at the enemy and um this little gem here you may have already heard it i played it for uh our episode of derailed but it's a great one and it's from a massive trash talking bears fan and so here we go that was terrible I know it's a long season, but it feels like it's the Bears are just going to suck for the rest of my life, and the Packers are going to be good for the rest of my life, and there's nothing I can do about it, and it's so gutting and disappointing and terrible. I don't even think the Bears even talked at halftime because nothing changed. They didn't. The Packers looked completely different in the second half. The Bears looked like, like they hadn't changed anything, and it just all is back to the same spot where the Bears are going to suck all year. Like, I, I looked at the schedule. Now they'll probably lose to the Bucks. Then they have the Chiefs week three. Like, the Bears are going to suck this year. And I don't ever know if Justin Fields is going to be good because I don't think they're ever going to give him a chance. And and the offensive coordinator is, is a numbskull, and everything sucks. And the Packers probably have the best quarterback in the league somehow. The Bears are the Bears, and the Packers are the Packers. And for the rest of history, it will be the Packers beating the Bears, and there's nothing I can do about it. And there's no reason for me to even watch sports anymore. And I just want to reiterate that this proves without a shadow of a doubt that all the bravado of Bears fans was always fake. Do you think for one second the Kansas City Chiefs are looking at week one and saying, we're going to suck? No. No chance. You think Buffalo Bills fans are saying, oh, we're going to lose next week, we're going to lose after that, and we're going to be bad forever. No, because they know it's just one week and we're going to bounce back. If Bears fans genuinely believed Fields is the guy, DJ Mooney, yards after the catch, running game, all this stuff, like everything's going to come together. If they genuinely believe that, they would see this as a fluke. And we're going to come back next week, we're going to stomp out Tampa, We'll see about Kansas City. That's a tough opponent for sure. But I still have us winning seven, eight, nine, ten games. Why would you give everything up after one week? Why would you do that if you actually believe what you say you believe? All right, let's let's weave our way back in here. I do want to start looking at this week's opponents. Before we do that, though, I've mentioned them before. Green and Gold Draft. They had a uh, post before that I referenced. They're they're. Good follow on uh, Twitter if you haven't done it. It's GNG Draft. But um, they were the ones that were uh, pumping up the, you know, as far as Jordan Love, it's about process. Or about anybody, it's about process. And he's got the process down. And so let me read this, and then I'm going to play the whole video. He stitched together a pretty good video. Again, you can find this on social media, but it's, it's just a, it's a cool cut up. So I don't know if you've seen the locker room interviews. I have not played them. Or if you've uh, seen the JTO Sullivan thing. If you have, then you've heard all of this. But... He says, Jordan Love, game manager, nothing special. Have you heard that lately? Watch this and decide for yourself. Imagine the fawning media if this was Patrick Mahomes' pass. So the first part is going to be a little bit iffy. It's more visual um, and not as much, but you can still hear what he's talking about. Uh, and it is a play to Jaden Reed in which, and, and we've seen this all 
offseason. And we should be more excited about it than we are. It tends to be a little dangerous, and I think the plays each time are a little bit off. I think the play in preseason where he missed Musgrave, he did the same thing. But, you know, he is a middle-of-the-field technician, and one of the things he does really well in the middle of the field is he manipulates people with his eyes. He gets linebackers to go the wrong direction, then he throws the other direction. Uh, I want to talk more about that when we start talking about the Falcons and some of the more dangerous pieces that they have, like Jesse Bates and whatnot. But here is the entire video here. Again, watch how we have to manipulate 49, that middle linebacker type. Look off. Whoa. Almost no lookish here from Jordan Love, right? Like, look at him look at 11 on the right and see what it does to 49's eyes. So you can see the helmet stripe. Beautiful thing about a helmet stripe. So 49's the linebacker. looking right here. Right? That's going to bring the linebacker, the linebacker type left. towards that play. Well, Jordan Love keeps looking over here. He keeps his helmet here, but his eyes are probably tracking right here and allow this ball to come off and almost go like no look where he's looking this way, but the ball comes out this way. So just a really cool rep, big time hookup on third and 10. This is a hell of a job, man. You see stuff like this? <laughs> and by the way, you compare this to what he does breaking down other quarterbacks, especially the Bears. And you could say he he was he wasn't upset with Justin Fields. He was talking about the scheme and about Cole Komet. No, he wasn't. He didn't have a single good thing to say about Justin Fields. There was one play where he said a half a good thing about Justin Fields, and he said, hey, at least the ball came out on time. He treats him like a five-year-old. He's like, at least it had some anticipation. But he went on to say, I don't know why you throw this ball, but hey, at least there's anticipation. He, he, he has nothing good to say about Fields, and he does this about other quarterbacks. Everybody breaking down Jordan Love talks like this. I mean, need to see it from the field to know for sure, but that's borderline no look. Talking to JD. Oh, yeah, it was a no-look. If you, if, you, if you guys really look at it, you know, he looked off the background. We were right behind him, so that was a great, great look by him. How tough are those when you don't know they're coming? What's like, uh, the key to being ready for when that happens? You just already got to stay ready, so you, so you don't have to get ready, really. So um, I'm seeing that he can do that, so you know I'm locking in on you know more of the passes that he throws. Did you no-look one to Jaden? He says you did right before they happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a, it was a crossing concept. You know, I'm reading across the board. Um, you know, I got through that progression. I felt uh, kind of the safety drop off of him that was guarding him, and the backers started pushing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was looking right, and uh, you know, I kind of just felt that void open up. Um, and it's something that I've worked in practice, so I felt comfortable doing. But yeah, it was a little bit of no look. Confidence does it take to be able to do that? Is that something you would have done as a rookie in that type of situation, or is that something you've grown into? Mm -hmm. What's it like to be able to pull that off in the game? No, it's definitely something I've grown into. I definitely wouldn't have done that or felt comfortable doing that as a rookie. But uh, it's something that you know we practice with Tom. We, we have drills that we practice that same situation, um, so we do it, you know, a couple times a week. So not only is that cool that he's doing that, and I, and I hope the accuracy gets better, and I hope we don't get too carried away and start getting into some dangerous territory here, but so far it's been just wide open, vacant areas that he's been attacking that. And, and the, the best part about that, and, and we've seen other people break these things down, he knows by looking at the defense exactly who he's going to target. It's a simple matter of, depending on what this guy does, I'm going to go here or here. So when that play started, he knew he was going to Dobbs. So the fact that his brain can go to that, I mean, even to get to that point is not easy. Because a lot of these young guys, it's just about progressions, right? I, I don't know what this freaking defense is doing. I just know I got I got this play, and then I'm pretty sure it's like one, two, three, four over there. So I got to, okay, there, oh, shoot, this, uh, uh, is he open? Uh, uh, uh. Jordan is to the point now where it's, I know the play, I know the progressions, but I also know that it's not just about that. I know the defense. And I've now isolated that they're in man coverage or zone coverage. Okay, now you're in zone. So I'm, I know I'm not throwing to number one and number four. It's going to be either number two or number three based on what this linebacker does. Linebacker's drifting that way. Okay, I know I'm going to, to this guy. I'm going to Dobbs. Going to my number two. But now I'm going to take it a step further. I know that I'm going to throw to Dobbs on the left side of the field where there's a vacancy. It's going to make it a lot easier for everybody if I can get that linebacker to move out of the way a little bit more. So I'm going to stare in the other direction, and I'm just going to peek with my eyes. I'm going to watch Dobbs. I'm going to watch that linebacker. And as, you know, there, there are players. I mean, Dobbs is on the right side. My whole body, my, my head, everything is to the right. Then when that linebacker moves and, and uh, Dobbs crosses his face, now I turn and throw. There's just a lot of levels 
that, that I mean, I mean, Jordan Love is, is ahead of a lot of people. I mean, he's up there in that upper echelon of guys that really know what they're doing. That's not necessarily a talent um, comment. That's just a matter of you, you can't do too much better in terms of having a guy that really is in sync with his play, his, his offensive coordinator, head coach, the play caller, knowing the offense inside and out, knowing exactly what to do with the ball doing exactly the right thing and even doing a little bit extra where I know that I know where the ball is going, but I also know how to help. I know how to move safeties and linebackers and things to try to help these things out. The fact that he can do that really speaks highly. And, and, and honestly, from there, the only way that he doesn't succeed is that the talent just doesn't get there. You know, I mean, the, uh, the accuracy just doesn't really improve. Some of these, you know, misses happen on third down and not just first and second down. We don't have, we're not able to maintain a 100% hit rate in the red zone. You know, these things that are going to happen. But then on top of that, to hear that our quarterback coach has been explicitly working on this, which is fantastic. First of all, the fact that he feels comfortable with it. Remember, Justin Field, they're not even comfortable allowing him to throw the football. They're designing their offense around a guy that they just don't feel comfortable with doing anything going into year three. The quarterback coach for the Green Bay Packers is like, all right, next step in our 800-level course, how to throw no-look passes. <laughs> like, I didn't even think coaches worked on that stuff. I understand, you know, looking off linebackers, but that's crazy. Anyways, continuing on. By the way, this is like 24 hours later from the last sentence you just heard. Had a loss in the family, which I'm guessing I explained on Packernet After Dark. I don't know. I haven't recorded it yet, so but I'm not going to go through the whole spiel. But anyways, I'm back, and I think we're uh, I think we're ready to rock and roll. I just got to remember what the heck we were just talking about. I don't know. I mean, I know, but I mean, in totality, I don't know. Why don't we do this? Let's talk about the injuries. Um, I, <laughs> have I been recording this for for three days now? I don't know. I feel like I have been because I know I wanted to start with the injury report before, and I think it was. I don't know what day. I, I, I want to say it was like Wednesdays. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't matter. We've got um, the injury report for the Green Bay Packers and Atlanta Falcons uh, through Friday. David Bakhtiari has not participated. Again, I expect this to be the norm. Very similar to... I mean, it's really not similar, I guess, to Mercedes Lewis because I think he practiced once in a while. He just get like that one veteran rest day. But I think Bakhtiari, it's just like, look, we're not going to risk anything. You just will not be practicing, period. That's what I assume. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, with his hamstring injury, has been uh, limited Wednesday, Thursday, but was full participant on Friday, so he's ready to rock and roll. Rashawn Gary, very similar uh, to David Bakhtiari, but on a much less severe level. He was limited all week, but I don't think this is anything, um, any reason to believe there was any kind of setback, at least nothing that we've been made aware of or that I have been made aware of. This is just continuing to ease him back in. Um, Elton Jenkins, with his knee injury, limited uh, Wednesday and Thursday, full participant on Friday, so he's ready to rock and roll. Anthony Johnson had a bit of a knee issue, but he's been full participant all week. Daniel Whelan, Whelan, whatever, our punter, apparently had a finger injury, but he's fine. That must have cropped up midweek because he was fine on Wednesday and then Thursday uh, that, that kind of popped up. I have been off the radar a little bit. I've been trying to catch up as much as possible. There might be some basic information. Everybody knows that I don't, but I, I think I got it. Um, from there, Quay Walker had his concussion, did not participate on Wednesday. Wednesday was scary. Wednesday, we had David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Quay Walker, and Christian Watson not participate. But um, starting Thursday, Quay was limited uh, continued to be limited Thursday and Friday. He is questionable for the game, but I think he's going to be okay. I mean, concussion isn't really like hamstring. I don't think it's something that's, you know, going to crop up. Like you just wake up in the middle of the night like, dang, man, something's messed up. I think you're either clear or you're not. This isn't, this isn't coming from a doctor. I'm just saying they're, they're not going to put you back into practice if they don't think you have recovered from the initial injury. So I'm guessing the limited participation is let's just take it easy because of what happened. But I, I, I with that being said, I'm, I'm very confident he'll be playing. Then we get to the two more interesting little tidbits here. Um, the worst of which cropped up uh, again on Wednesday. Aaron Jones did not participate, and that immediately scared the crap out of me because 
what we were told during the game is that Aaron Jones basically was ready to come back in, right? He had his helmet. Like, he he's probably ready to go. He's getting stretched out. He feels good. I mean, nope, I don't think anybody expected him to come back into the game, especially with us winning. But it, it felt like he could if we wanted him to. Then you got, right, it's Sunday. So then Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, he doesn't participate. That sucks. Then Thursday, he doesn't participate. That massively sucks. Oh, by the way, I, I just noticed now Quay has not been cleared from concussion protocol. So there you go. Not a doctor. I still, I don't understand it. Like, run around and practice, but, like, you, you have a concussion. I don't know. I don't understand why you would mess with something like that. But whatever. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyways, um, it's really scary for Aaron Jones. In fact, the first bit of worry that I had came even before the first injury report. I went to a website that deals with um, NFL players' injuries and um, has Aaron Jones on here, listed him as questionable. I clicked on it, and um, it says, did not practice Wednesday with a left hamstring. He scored on the last touchdown in the third quarter week one. Not a very good chance he plays against the Falcons, but Thursday's practice report will tell the true story. Well, Thursday he didn't practice, and then Friday he didn't practice. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I, oh, I shouldn't say it doesn't mean anything. It, it doesn't necessarily mean anything definitive. I mean, questionable is questionable. And generally, I'm pretty optimistic about questionable. But hamstrings, I don't know. They're so fickle. And it just seems like they will not heal until they're healed, and that's it. You, you just have to deal with it. Now, there was some news that, um, I mean, they, they couldn't follow the team after warm-ups. The, the media couldn't, so they weren't exactly sure what all happened. But Aaron Jones did not follow the team out to their practice field, which is not the greatest of signs, meaning he didn't participate, which we established. However, he was a part of the stretching warm-up period beforehand, which apparently he hadn't been doing all week, so it is a step in the right direction. I know we generally see Friday as a very definitive thing, but in reality, it's probably going to be similar to anybody else. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, it's a matter of being a game-time or, or game-day decision. We got to see how it feels. And in reality, I had almost no expectation of Christian Watson playing at all. And while he's still listed as questionable, I was actually very pleasantly surprised to find out that he was limited today. So he did not practice Wednesday or Thursday, was limited Friday. Now, his hamstring could still start causing problems again. I don't know. Maybe he plays on a pitch count, which is at this point, if I had to guess, that's what's probably going to happen. But it's a positive development that I didn't expect. So you never really know, man. And, and yes, the hamstrings are an issue. And I know that there were um, several years ago, this was a real big problem for this team. And I mean several. And I think some people assume that that's always been a thing, and it really hasn't. The Packers have been an unbelievably healthy team. They've done a great job. But this year there has been a spate. And it could just be a coincidence. You know, I mean, teams have unhealthy years. But when they're all hamstrings, you do kind of have to wonder, you know, I mean, what, what the heck is going on here? Are they not doing proper stretching, hydration? Are they working too hard even? You know, I've, I've been praising the fact that they've been working harder. All the players have said, we've been working harder than ever before. It's entirely possible. Maybe they got overworked. And so again, this is sort of the, that yin and yang, that, that positive and negative, where on one hand, we're sick and tired of, of not putting in the work and not pushing for it and not trying to do the best. And then on the other hand, if that's what you want, if that's what, you know, you want to push harder than everybody else, then maybe you have to expect a slightly higher injury rate than everybody else. I'm not saying I know that that's the case. I'm just saying it's something to think about. Obviously, it has nothing to do with things like concussions, but when you've got, you know, Watson and Jones and Romeo Dobbs all having hamstring injuries, like, in, through week one, that's uh, something to keep an eye on, I suppose. So, um, if I had to guess, Bakhtiari's playing... We know Dobbs, Gary, Jenkins, Johnson, and Waylon are playing, Waylon Jennings. I'm, I'm fairly confident in Quay Walker, but I suppose if he has not cleared concussion protocol, then he's not going to play until he clears, so I guess I don't know. But I, I, I think he will. If I had a guess on Watson, I think he'll play, but I think it'll be limited, if at all. Aaron Jones is the one I'm least confident in, which makes sense. He's the only one that didn't participate in practice. And yes, that's absolutely terrifying, but let me just say a couple things. Number one, I feel like we use week one as like, see, this is how it goes all the time, and this is why da-da-da-da-da. 
let me be very clear. That was like the best Aaron Jones game we've ever seen in our lives. <laughs> like, that doesn't just happen all the time. It's not like, see, if we just lean on him, that's how it would always be. Nope, we've leaned on him before and he couldn't do anything. It's, it's, I mean, it just is what it is. We've seen games where Aaron Jones wins it for us. I mean, we, and we've talked about this before. One week, we won because of Aaron Jones. The next week, we won because, you know, Aaron Rodgers was just out of control. The next week, it was A.J. Dillon. The next week, it was Robert Tunyon. The next week, it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Alan Lazard or, of course, Devontae Adams or Christian Watson against Dallas. So, I, I, while it's a massive blow to lose Aaron Jones, the bottom line is any team needs to have a certain DNA that says next man up. And somebody has to rise to that occasion, whether it be Christian Watson, if he plays, Romeo Dobbs, if he plays. I mean, I know he's going to play, but I don't know if he's on a pitch count. If he is, you can't expect him to necessarily drag the team, although he was on a pitch count, got two touchdowns. So, you know, the bottom line is guys got to step up. You know, it, it's, it's the, the opposite example of A.J. Dillon. We saw A.J. Dillon do nothing and have one of the worst games we've seen. And we act like that's the embodiment of every game we've ever watched him play. And it's like, come on, guys. That is not what we generally see from A.J. Dillon. So it sucks, but I don't want to overreact because we just assume that exactly how last week played out is exactly how just reality is at all times. I mean, it, last week was phase one, right? We learned some stuff. We, we, we saw the offensive line play well. Well, it's the Bears. I get it. But a bad offensive line probably plays worse than that. And the fact of the matter is the offensive line did struggle more so than they usually do. So that's a good thing because there's room for upward growth even above and beyond what we saw. We saw Jordan Love. Well, he had a lot of mistakes. That's true. But he didn't reach his uh, the, the, the bottom floor that a lot of us were worried he would hit, right? Once the regular season starts, maybe same old Jordan, like, oh, shoot, he's not actually that good. That didn't happen. He actually kind of dominated statistically. And again, you can blame the Bears, the offensive line, whatever it is you want. A lot of things happened that were positive. A lot more things have to happen. And the reality is we had a lot of challenges. We got one of the best pass rushers in football on our team on a pitch count. He rushed the passer only 10 times. Our number one wide receiver, Christian Watson, who stretches defenses, wasn't on the field at all. Our number two wide receiver was on a pitch count. They found a way to win. And we just got to trust that they'll find a way to win again. And if they don't, well, then we just continue to learn. We continue to develop and hopefully continue to get healthy. All right. Atlanta Falcons, Troy Anderson, linebacker, is in concussion uh, protocol, officially listed as out. Jeff Akuda is questionable with a foot injury. Otherwise, Calais Campbell just having some veteran rest. He's fine. Jonu Smith, injury, uh, not injury-related, veteran rest. He's going to be fine. I feel like they were saying Janu Smith. Have I been saying his name wrong this whole time? I've been saying Janu Smith for years. I went on a Falcons podcast, and I swear they were saying Janu Smith. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And then Cordero uh, Patterson had a thigh injury. He was full participant all week, though, so he's also going to be fine. So there yous have it. Anyways, I told you I was going to mix in some laughing at the enemy. This is for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is actually prior to Thursday's game. I've had this one queued up because, again, I've been working on this podcast for a while now. This is after their first loss to Tampa Bay. Now, they are 0-2 right now. I will say, though, the game that I watched against Philadelphia, I feel like the Vikings were the better football team. I was beyond impressed with their defense. You're like, well, they couldn't stop the run, and they scored a bunch of points. How could you be impressed? Bro, they, they couldn't pass the ball. Like, they took away the passing game. And the one time they kind of, like, let their guard down a little bit, that's when they had that big, giant touchdown down the field. But, dude, they shut down A.J. Brown. Just, just freaking shut him down. And so they had no choice but to run the ball. And, and again, that's a problem for the Vikings to not be able to stop the run, but um, pretty impressive. One other thing I wanted to point out to you, just as a, as a negative here, and this is a, I think it's a negative for a lot of things here. There is a, um, one of the very many stats and analytics companies, again, I am beyond happy with the amount of companies that have emerged over the years. One of them is called Sportfolio Kings. Now, they have a website. I, as far as I can tell, none of this data is available to anybody. I've tried to get in, like, hey, can I give you my money and you can show me some stuff? I can't find anything, but occasionally they'll post some stuff. They have a thing called drive quality. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but if I had to assume, it would have something to do with trying to strip out variables such as um, things that you can't necessarily control. 
And I think it's more of, of a true measure of how good a team was. And they actually have a drive quality scoreboard. Two weeks in a row, the Vikings have lost the game, but have won with this drive quality scoreboard, which is to say, and, you, and listen, I'm not saying that they should have won or anything like that. If you fumble, that's your fault. You messed up. But I think if you're trying to project forward, you can't assume they're going to lose the ball four times a game. That's not going to happen. So when you strip out all those variables, they deserve to be 0-2. The question for me, though, isn't should they be 0-2. The question for me is, what are they going to be moving forward? And in reality, two weeks in a row, the Vikings have been the better team. They are, as of right now, a team that is quality enough, talented enough, that they should have been 2-0, but because of mistakes that are unlikely to be replicated, they are 0-2. Assuming they clean all that stuff up, and also assuming, you know, the Eagles have kind of gotten off to a slow start, they probably should have played better. Uh, I, I, I actually thought, not having watched a lot of Eagles games, I'll be honest, I watch all the Packers games, I watch as many Bears and Vikings games as I can, and I'll try to catch a Lions game if I have to. Other than that, it's just kind of whatever happens to be on. So I can't compare what I saw Jalen Hurts look like to what he usually looks like. All I can say is I'm watching this guy going, this guy sucks. Like, Jalen Hurts plays like garbage. So, presumably the Eagles also didn't play their best football. But I think the Vikings look kind of good, with their obvious weakness being run defense, and, and that, I think, is real. Because they were terrible with run defense last year, and the Eagles basically just decided, let's just keep running, and, and they did that. And granted, the Eagles are good at it with their road-grading offensive line. But anyways, before I make fun of them, let me put in this caveat, because they are 0-2, and it is funny. Um, that I do worry they might actually be a formidable opponent going forward. We'll see how bad this 0-2 start is. And, and, you know, they got the Chiefs coming up. That's probably a loss as well. I, I, I think even if they're a good team, there's a good chance they end up at, um, I forget exactly what their schedule was, but they could lose two out of their next three games as well. But anyways, let's, uh, let's get into this after the break. <laughs> I just realized how late it was. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Kirk Cousins, this whole this whole summer has been everyone talking about Kirko. Kirko Chance. Kirko, he's on Netflix. He's a big star now. He's in commercials now with his top off. You know, everyone's talking about his nipples. I want to talk about his performance. Wait, are people talking about his nipples? I've never mentioned his nipples. Some of the people at the bar were. Some of the gals. <laughs> oh, some of the gals were. Okay. Yeah. Kirko, Kirko, you, you got a little, the lights got a little too bright. This Hollywood Kirkle maybe needs to just come back and figure it out again and say, I I, I, I got to be a guy who can go within myself and, and take some of those chances. Now he's afraid to fail. Now he's right back to his clenching his teeth. He's grinding his teeth. He's, he, he's, he's freaking out, you know. And by the way, same thing happened to Pat Mahomes. You know, he's got this Netflix jinx now. These, these guys, wow. they get all these bright lights. They both lost and Mariota, Mariota's a backup. Where, where, where's he backing up now? Is he in Philly? Uh, Philly. Philly. So they they won, but he's not playing. I had not thought about the Netflix jinx here, but... 
Wow. So Kirk, go, go ahead and Kirk, Kirk, why don't you also grab a mirror and, and look at it in a guy, you know, you're going to see a guy who, who, who pee, pees down his leg sometimes and now you're doing it again after a whole season of taking the chances, putting it in the tight spots, letting J.J. do what J.J. does. Instead, this time, you're bouncing passes, you're throwing it behind guys, you're peeing on yourself. And Kirko, right now, nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to watch Netflix. We want to watch you win. So figure it out, and until you do, you're a dud. Wow. Wow. Kirk Cousins. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think some of that is is meant to be comedic. But at the same time, it's not great. And I have to assume, even though it's the Eagles... Even though you can look at that and say you played well, when it's your team and you came into this with somewhat low expectations and you have now fallen to 0-2, especially last year, you, you won, what, 13 games and you were real clutch. I mean, like one of the most clutch football teams in NFL history. You can call it luck, you can call it clutch, whatever. I'm sure they call it clutch. And to watch these games that, you know, you can make close and then it just slips through your fingers... And while I do think they're going to end up being more durable than the Chicago Bears, because this is, you know, it, it's kind of going as the Vikings expected, and they kind of understand where they are and what they are and what they are not, as opposed to the Bears who had in their the, not just their fans, but their team with way too high of expectations. And also, I mean, if you're the Bears, you look at it like, dude, we freaking suck. If you're the Vikings, you can make a case. Like, look, we, it's not a great start, but we, we got some stuff going here. By the way, let me just read this to you here because I did such a terrible job of explaining what the heck I'm talking about with these random things, drive quality nonsense. I just closed Discord. How many... Just, I have so many tabs open, I can't find... It's like something's badooping at me and I cannot find it. <laughs> so many laughing at the enemy tabs. All right, here we go. Drive quality is an NFL model focused on systematically capturing the efficacy, durability, and reproducibi reproducibility... Easy for you to say. Of drive level performance, independent of actual scoring outcomes. This can yield more accurate explanations of how well a team moved the ball in the past, and in turn, how likely they are to move the ball and score points in the future. A metric we are calling earned drive points and output from drive quality outperforms EPA in capturing drive level efficacy and sta uh, stability. Stability works. EDP has promising back-tested and real-world results and can potentially offer new predictive insights into short-term and season-over-season -season team performance. So they're basically saying it's an alternative to EPA that's better than EPA. And it technically, it's an entirely different thing, but I think you can use it modeling into the future the same way you could EPA or DVOA or, or any of those kinds of things, but... It is kind of cool because essentially what they have, and I've seen them post a few of these. Again, it's Sportfolio Kings. Just follow them on Twitter. They'll just post them randomly. Again, maybe they even have a way for you to just pull up. Like, I've never seen them post something about the Packers. And I'm like, how do I find out what the Packers did? But they'll post stuff on Twitter or whatever. But they'll just put up um, the little chart with all the drives and all that stuff. And then a score. Essentially saying if you strip out all the, the nonsense, this kind of gives you a better picture of that game. Maybe another way to even put it is, if you run this 10 times, this is essentially the score you would expect. And, and, and so, if you played that Vikings-Eagles game 10 times, more often than not, the Vikings probably win. Yeah, and they just have a wait list thing here, which I think I've signed up for like seven times, because I keep coming back here. But anyways. Anyways, has it been too long before since we've done a... Uh done a thing here let's do a thing this is uh we're i think i think we might be done for the vikings i don't know i got so much bear stuff to get through let's uh let's see what these folks have to say that was that the worst case scenario is that is that what we just saw today with yes. these bears it, it, it was for me molly um you know I, I tweeted out there that the 23 bears looks a lot like the 22 bears and wow. you were hoping for some improvement and it almost what did you think was gonna happen you idiots oh my goodness Oh, I, I, I guess that's not entirely fair. You should have expected some improvement, and you still should expect some improvement. For example, I can't imagine you're only going to win three games again. Garbage teams accidentally win four, five, even six games all the time. I mean, it, it happens. You accidentally stumble into into some wins, and and DJ Moore is gonna gonna have better days, obviously, and. Stuff will happen in, in the world, but, 
I mean, did you actually think you were a good football team? Come on. You guys are just so brainwashed. Looks like they got worse uh, all the way across the board. It was just, it was depressing as it went along. Uh, you know, the first half was 10 to 6. So you had a little bit of, you know, a hope about it, but you knew Green Bay was, was kind of hurting themselves by not getting Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones into the game. They come out in the second half, they make adjustments. And they blow us out of the water. And the Bears didn't make any adjustments all game. So just it felt a lot like 2022. And it's, I know, I, I know you read Twitter and you, I get texts all during the game. And it's just a very disappointed fan base. And that's the same way I feel right now. It was pretty bad. It was disgusting. You're hoping it was going to be better uh, going into this year. The Bears are really bad last year. But, but it hit me while I was watching the game. This is Olin Krutz, uh, by the did way. Did I like the quarterback sneak? Hell no. Did I like the fact they don't get a pass rush? Hell no. So I like the fact that the O-line. Let's stop for a second. First of all, and and, and I got to come down on J.T. O'Sullivan a little bit. Um, he knows way more about football than I do. But I, I, I tend to think he even falls into this same trap that fans do sometimes of any time a play doesn't work, it's the dumbest thing ever. And any time a play does work, well, now now we're seeing some brilliant stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what exactly that... Um, well, a- anyways, the sneak is, a, is one of those examples. Dude, they needed like an inch. And they ran a sneak twice. They did it once with a tight end. And granted, I understand. The, the, the way that you do it in the NFL today is you get your quarterback, and then you put your tight end behind him, and you push. And the Bears didn't do that. But they did have their tight end come in, and he tried to get it, and he couldn't do it. Then they had Justin Fields do it, and he couldn't do it. And the running back came in, tried to push him. He was way too late. I don't know why he was so far off. I think that I think they were trying to maybe get the Packers' defensive line to hesitate, and they didn't. But the bottom line is, number one, Sneaking the ball was the right decision. Number two, nobody's giving the Packers credit for what they did, and what they did was phenomenal. The Packers got a stop on third down, and that fourth down one was unbelievable. And actually, they should have gotten it. The I think Justin Fields was actually really smart about it, because generally you go down low and you push. The Packers' defensive line got so unbelievably low, it looked like they were laying on the ground. They got underneath the Bears' offensive line. They were unbelievably low. The problem with getting low is what? You can jump over the top. Justin Fields goes to jump, and he should have gotten it except for one person by the name of Quay Walker. Because the problem with jumping, and the reason why you're generally not supposed to do it, is because you lose all your power. But with the Packers getting so low, there was no power to generate, so you try to go over them. Quay Walker hits him from the side, and stops him short. If Quay hadn't done that, which Quay crashed down on the side, first of all, then hits Justin Fields so he can't progress forward. It was really, there's nothing wrong with sneaking it twice in a row to try to get a first down. So saying, was I uh, okay with the sneak? I mean, give me a break. I mean, if if, if there's some other plays out there that you wanted to uh, dislike, and even JT O'Sullivan with a couple of those, and I'm sure a lot of the Bears fans thought, thought the same thing. Like, I don't even know what they're doing here. It's like, it's pretty apparent to me what they're doing. I mean, maybe you've never seen it before, and, and but but conceptually it makes sense. Like there was, I think two different times it seemed obvious to me they were trying to get Justin Fields to run, which everybody was upset about. Like why don't you why don't you tell him to run? Well, he tried. Remember those times where he was running and he got tackled in the backfield? You think that wasn't a designed run, the one that Lucas Van Ness caught him? Well, no, because half the line's doing this and that, and you're looking at the offensive line wrong. They're doing what they're doing to draw our defensive line. They're, they're hoping our defensive line is going to be thrown off by the fact that they're blocking a certain way but we weren't they're blocking that way to confuse you the same with another play like the, it's a, it's a run play but they're pass blocking the uh actually the the, the play that quay got to uh, to wyatt i don't think the tackle did anything wrong yet like yeah you could have put a hard, hand on him a little harder bullcrap you're run blocking to the right because you want quay uh not quay walker uh, Devonte wyatt to crash to the inside you want him to try to get it to the inside of you because you don't want to get beat to the inside the difference is, though, we have really fast defensive tackles who are like, fine, I'll let you go past me and I'll run around behind you. So he doesn't try to get to the inside of Braxton. He just lets him run past and goes around the outside. So I, I just think, I think there's too much complaining about some kind of design, this, that, or the other, when it's just, I think the defense just made plays. And had the Bears been successful on that play, they would have seen it and said, oh, this is great design. If Devontae Wyatt had crashed to the inside and Justin Fields was able to roll out to his left completely untouched this is great design this is how you get justin fields out in the open this is how you create opportunities to give him time to find people and 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 generate plays whether he runs or finds somebody and passes to him but it didn't work because of a great play by the packers defense but instead of giving the packers defense credit we got to say it was terrible design and that's stupid second of all olin Krutz, was i happy with the pass rush no bro there is no pass rush in chicago you think you were going to be happy with the pass rush there's nothing to be happy about your your pass rushers are trash getting beat 
uh, up the middle most of the game and his pressure on a quarterback. No, not at all. But but do you want an interior pressure? Bro. <laughs> if there's any pressure to be had, it's from the guys on the outside. There's nobody on the inside that's going to generate pressure. Are you freaking kidding me? Okay. I mean, I get just generally saying, like, I wasn't happy with the performance. But you had to know. There was no way. I mean, th this is a top-five pass-blocking offensive line against a bottom-five pass-rushing front. Anyways, I wanted to uh, take a look real quick at the Packers-Falcons as far as the betting situation. Um, last week, the Packers were um, one-point to one-and-a-half-point underdogs. I don't remember exactly where it settled. I feel like it bounced back up at the last second, another half a point. Exact same situation here with the Falcons. Now, interestingly enough, the Packers are actually, I believe, one-point favorites. I don't know if that's exactly where it started, but uh, one-point favorites for a good portion of time. And I believe it was around the time the Aaron Jones news became apparent that things switched, which makes sense. I mean, you look at the Green Bay Packers and you say, eh, it's close, but I would give it to the Packers. And then you find out Aaron Jones, who, I mean, really carried the offense for the most part, if we didn't have him, we don't win that game, more than likely, is not playing. I could see that swinging in the Falcons' favor, especially, again, you know, it's it's two road games for the Green Bay Packers. This is in Atlanta. Atlanta looked promising in their first outing. With that said, though, for the second week in a row, the Packers are the underdogs, but the sharp money, which means the professional bettors, are betting on the Green Bay Packers. The majority of the money is on the Falcons. But the quote-unquote sharp money, so that there's there's basically two different things, or technically three here. I, I use the Action Network. They have their own uh, professionals, which is like, I don't know, maybe 10 people. But there's, there's two large groups. There's the professionals, which are the sharps, and then there's the general public. And the general public has thrown gobs of money at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, 55% of the bets are actually on the Packers, but 72% of the money is on the Falcons. But still, right now, um, the line is seen to be too heavy in favor of the Falcons, and so a lot of the sharp money is on the Green Bay Packers. In fact, if you look at the actual lines that they have set here, they have it set closer to uh, less than one-point underdogs is where um, I think a lot of the professionals have the Packers. So they still have them as underdogs, but they have the, the line as being way too strong, and I shouldn't say way too strong, but too strong in favor of the Falcons. So it's a good spot. Again, we're very similar to where we were last week. Vegas is a little heavy-handed on our opponent. A lot of the professional bettors are betting on the Green Bay Packers as a result of that. Not necessarily meaning they think that they're going to win, but just that there's way too strong of a, either anti-Packers or pro-Falcons opinion, which does make sense, I think, to some degree. And I think I've mentioned it before, but the Falcons, they, they looked fairly good, but I think they looked better than you would expect. So, for example, and I even mentioned, you know, Aaron Jones isn't always that good. But, but the guy that stood out was Aaron Jones, and, and he, that's, that's not really a surprising thing. And in fact, his grade really wasn't all that overly spectacular. With the Falcons, though, you've got guys that probably played at a higher level than you should expect them to play the entire season, right? So they have a safety that had like the 92 overall, P, uh, the 92, 93 PFF grade. Well, a lot of that is he played against a garbage quarterback, and, he, and he, he, the, the quarterback, who was a rookie, was staring people down, and so the safety was able to read that and, and go get the ball. The problem is Jordan Love doesn't do that. So while they, they do have a good safety in Jesse Bates, although he's very volatile, I mean, one year he's the best in football, the next year he's completely falled off. And I think, you know, without doing like a, a, a full breakdown, the, the bottom line here, if you're looking at this and saying, look, there, there are a lot of co comparable elements here between these two teams. I think the Falcons offensive line, although it's a little bit more disjointed and they've got like some pass blockers and some run blockers and one bad player, you could argue they have a good offensive line, as do the Packers. They have, you know, a good receiver, probably better than anyone the Packers have, maybe, but then nobody else. So, you know, maybe you could call that comparable. You know, they, they, they have something there. They have Pitts, we have Musgrave. Advantage Pitts, most likely. They have Bijan, we have, well, maybe not Aaron Jones anymore. They got a defensive line. We have a defensive line, although ours is better and they don't have edge rushers. Whatever, right? So it's, it's some decent comparable, at least in terms of overall quality, let's say it's comparable. And you can kind of pick and choose which side of the, the aisle you stand on if you just leave out the most important piece, which is quarterback. But here's the thing. When you add in the most important piece, I know Jordan Love struggled in some areas. Some metrics, he was quite bad. 
the accuracy was a bit of an issue. Desmond Ritter was a disaster. That is the Falcons quarterback, if you didn't know. That's his name, Desmond Ritter. I could understand if you didn't know that. And actually, I'm very, very excited. So, um, you know, DVOA was over at Football Outsiders. It's moved to ftnfantasy.com. They have been slowly, slowly, slowly adding in different things. So it was just like one DVOA thing, and now uh, now they've added in more and more things. They, I see that they just added now passing, so we can add this to the list. When you look at DVOA, they actually have Jordan Love as the third best quarterback, which is fantastic, right? Again, it depends on the metric. It depends how you want to measure it. PFF, not massively impressed. EPA, very impressed. DVOA, very impressed. It just kind of depends what you're looking at. But the cool thing about DVOA is they give you a very specific number, and that number is a percentage, and it means percentage better or worse than the average quarterback. So they measure out what the exact average performance of a quarterback would be against this specific defense, and how well did you do? They have Jordan Love at 61.1% better than your average quarterback. Desmond Ritter, he has, they have ranked, and they don't have it numbered, which is annoying, so I can't tell you his exact rank. But thirty negative thirty nine percent, so that is thirty nine percent worse than your average performance from a quarterback. Justin Fields, for the record, had a negative twenty one point six, so worse than that. Kenny Pickett, who was god awful and made me completely embarrassed to be pumping this guy up all off season, was below that and a negative twenty one point eight. Sam Howell, 22.1. Deshaun Watson, who had a terrible day, negative 27. Josh Dobbs for, for the Arizona Cardinals had a negative 33.9. Desmond Ritter, negative 39, worse than that. Joe Burrow, who had about as bad of a performance as you could ever imagine, was negative 48.9. So just 10% worse than what Desmond Ritter was. <laughs> Jeez. I, I really hate to bring it up because it's just going to seem bitter, but Aaron Rodgers was the worst at negative 171.3. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Actually, Daniel Jones was the actual worst in terms of guys that actually started. So I, I, I can see, so there's a lot of guys that didn't play a bunch, but Daniel Jones had a negative 117.2. After that was Joe Burrow, then Bryce Young, then Ryan Tannehill, then Desmond Ritter. So it was the, what is that, one, two, three, four, fifth worst performance by a quarterback? And you know for a fact Joe Burrow is going to be better. I'm quite positive Ryan Tannehill can at least overcome this, as will Daniel Jones. So we're going up against, I mean, he's, he's clearly bottom five quarterback in the NFL. With very little reason to believe he's going to catapult above that. Oh, dang, they got all the positions here. That's so exciting. I need this so I can do my, uh, my prize picks picks. By the way... I actually made $50 on prize picks. I never make money on these things. I always, I have like a certain amount of money, like it's 20 bucks. I'm like, all right. So I can bet like, you know, a dollar per week basically and see if I can make any money. And I just, I assume it's going to be gone and I just let it carry me to the end of the season and then I have no money. I placed a bunch of bets, way way more than I was supposed to because I keep enticing you with these different things. I'm like, well, if you're just going to give me free money. They constantly have these uh, offers over at Prize Picks, like you can get reimbursed. They they just did it for baseball. They're like, oh, by the way, you can bet twenty bucks, and if you lose, we'll reimburse you. Like, okay. So I, I placed two baseball bets. I have no idea what that even is. I mean, I know what baseball is, but I'm just saying, I, I I didn't even look. I just picked the first two guys and clicked something, and we'll see if I win. And if I do, I get sixty dollars. And if I don't, then they put twenty dollars in. They they have like two categories of your actual cash that you can cash out, and then like bonus money that you can spend there but you can't cash out but anyways i went back in i was like I, I didn't expect to make any money i figured i probably lost almost all of it probably won a couple i went back and looked and i added up the ones i lost and i subtracted the ones i won and i'm like dude i made 50 bucks <laughs> that never happens so prize picks is muy bueno by the way prizepicks.com forward slash pack daddy first deposit match up to a hundred dollars just so you know anyways might as well look at a couple of these. Aaron Jones, 45.7% better as far as rushing DVOA. Aaron Jones receiving DVOA was 145.7. That's ridiculous. You got Romeo Dobbs in here at 50.4%. And our boy Luke Musgrave here coming in 15th at 39.6%. So there you go. Um, why don't we do this? Let's take a break. Old Southern Barbecue, uh, OldSouthernBBQ.com. Use promo code PACKERNET15, capital P, capital N, PACKERNET15 for 15% off your order. They have award-winning barbecue rubs and barbecue sauces that you need to check out. 
I got to figure out what I'm going to be doing next. I got so many leftovers because I've been making so much stuff. I got wings. I got barbecue chicken thighs. I got to stop making and start eating. <laughs> but you got to check it out. You got to at least try one. Grab a rub, grab a sauce. Let me know what you thought. But we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Let's, let's jump in another video here. This is um, Tim Jenkins breaks down Justin Fields' frustrating performance against the Packers. This is 670 The Score. It's a Chicago station, Bernstein and Holmes, and they have uh, Tim Jenkins, whoever that is, um, a guy who knows stuff, is going to help break some stuff down. Your, your video was unsettling, to say the least. It's one th Let's talk about both things. Here, Tim Jenkins, founder, CEO, Jenkins Elite, former NFL quarterback. Oh, well, there you go. The, the offense, the game plan, and what Justin Fields did or didn't see and did or didn't throw. Yeah, I mean, I hate doing that to Bears fans. You know, I love you guys, so I, I hate making it unsettling. But I think the challenge was was you you really like when you see a game and you go, oh, okay, here's what went wrong, right? It's like you, it's almost more enjoyable to know, hey, if we fix this one thing, we're going to be good to go. My big issue walking away from the Bears game was. Walking away from the from the watching it on TV, I thought to myself, "Hey, we are not scheming it up." I thought we were putting Justin in terrible situations. And to be honest with you, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, "How many weeks did we talk where we we're like, hey, when are we going to see QB run?" And then all of a sudden, they sprinkle in at the end of the year, they sprinkle in QB run and they sprinkle in tempo, and all of a sudden they start rolling right the back half of the season. Then it's like we're almost starting completely over where I feel like all three of us are going to just have to get on here and yell at each other, right, for six weeks about QB run and tempo, and then we'll start to do it again by the time we're out of the playoff hunt, right? It's just like, let's not do this again. Let's first sprinkle in some stuff that Justin can be successful with. Simultaneously, then when you go look at the All-22, there are some plays that I think Justin just flat out missed. I also think he seemed to be in camp mode a little bit to me of like, okay, hey, I know what my progression is, but I'm going to get to my back, right? I'm going to get the ball out of my hand. And the reality is, is we're not in camp mode anymore, right? Like, it's not preseason anymore. We're not going to throw a – we're not going to flip it out there and DJ Moore is going to take it 80. Like, I got to put my foot in the ground and drive this fluty route when it's there. Oh, you mean it's not preseason anymore where I can't just dump it off and some second-string nobodies are going to miss, like, seven tackles and DJ Moore just gets touchdowns? Like, that's not a thing anymore? That's crazy. By the way, the look on their faces when he said he's still in camp mode – you can tell the disgust because the narrative is this dude's ready to go. He's looking good. Justin Fields is white hot. He is he is in sync with Cole Komet. He is massively in sync with DJ Moore. Like they are going to light the world on fire. And now you have Tim Jenkins, former NFL quarterback, who apparently has a YouTube channel. I'm checking him out right now. Um, breaking this down, saying, "Yeah, he looks like he's still a little sluggish. Like he's he's still kind of like in preseason mode here." And they're like, "You've got to be freaking kidding me." So to me. It was twofold. What I will say is I think all of it's, all of it's fixable. It's just a matter of, of how fast we can get that done. When I was watching the game, I was saying to myself, well, I appreciate Justin going through the progressions and, and, and taking the free cheese and, and, and doing the dump offs. But after watching your video, I walked away going, wow, there were a lot of plays out there that he missed. And, and I guess the, the question becomes – when you're asking a, a, a quarterback who is, is still learning on the job, on how to do the job at the NFL level, to let it go, like to, to make the throws, I keep wondering, Tim, if we're seeing a guy that has been coached to play it safe or if this is just where he is because he's not sure what he's seeing. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on there, to be honest with you, Lawrence. I think... Like, when you talk about coaching a quarterback, it's a special trait. Like, playing quarterback is a skill. By the way, I'm so tired of the excuses. I'm so freaking tired of it. Well, now they're coaching him to miss his reads, to skip his reads, and to play it safe. Like, give me a freaking break. I'm not even going to play the rest of it. It's, it's just, it's such a, a dumb thing. They, 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 they baby this guy so unbelievably much. There, there's no expectations. It's like we're dealing with, it's almost like he's got a handicap. You know, like Justin Fields has a literal handicap and we're all just like trying to be nice. Like, come on, leave him alone. He's in a wheelchair. Like, how could you say that? 
You know where you get, like, especially defensive and you start, like, making up excuses? Like, oh, that was so great, when really if anybody that was able-bodied actually did that, it wouldn't actually be that great. Like, oh, that's such a wonderful point. Yeah, the, 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 coaching uh, quarterbacks is a trait, and it seems like maybe Chicago doesn't have it. Yeah, maybe Chicago doesn't have it. Yeah, that's probably what it is. We got this guy that apparently was an elite quarterback in college. Should have been NFL ready, ready, according to Bears fans. Like, he's ready to go. He's he's already elite. He's already one of the best that we've ever seen in our entire lives. Maybe the best college quarterback of all time. I mean, forget Peyton Manning. He's a piece of garbage. But now he needs these this special treatment. He needs three, now maybe it's four years, and five different coaches, and, and seven different schemes, and we need all different special... And the way they talk about, like, well, you need you need to, like, create a scheme around him and, and accentuate uh, his his strengths. Like, what, what, what are his strengths? Because I haven't seen it. Are, are you just saying make him run? Like, what, what are we talking about here? Are we, are we doing this garbage where we cut the field in half type stuff? Like, give him one read, make sure that one read is open, and make sure he doesn't have any pressure? Like, that's the one thing? Like, you need to scheme that open for him every time because that's all he can do? What are we talking about? Here's kind of a funny crossover. We've done these guys, I think, before. Um, kind of funny. They, they had a thing before where... This guy, Paul Farrington, I guess is his name, the Paul Farrington Show, Vikings fan podcast or on YouTube, whatever. Um, and he had a, a podcast that early in the offseason was like, they're done, they're screwed, it's over. And then when preseason went on and Jordan looked good, it was sort of like, please don't do this. Here's an update. The reason that I'm talking about this Viking sadness is because as I was traveling into New York yesterday, I'm looking at my phone getting updates on the games and all I see from Chicago is the Packers slowly starting to kick the crap out of the Chicago Bears. And I'm, I'm watching this going, there's just no way in hell that these guys did it again. Because all over the internet, all over Twitter, it's, man, Jordan Love looks amazing. Did you see that throw? I got text that said, dynasty, dynasty, dynasty from a Packers fan. And I just wanted to throw my phone off the George Washington Bridge. 38 to 20. The Packers go and whoop the Bears. Over the past 10 years, Chicago is 3-18 and against the Packers. This, finally, this, this felt like the chance for them, where you finally have them in Soldier Field. No more Favre, no more Rodgers. Let's beat the crap out of Jordan Love and make a statement, and you just get demolished. So I, I, I'm watching this. Jack, have you, have you seen some of this game? And again, that's exactly what happened. And it's because that's the narrative that was built up, not just by Bears fans, but even Vikings fans and everybody else. Like, this is it. This is the moment, which is a little bit unfortunate for the Chicago Bears that they are at their absolute lowest. Like, I can't remember a worse Chicago Bears team than we've seen the last two years, which is hilarious because apparently they have this elite quarterback. It seems unlikely that the best quarterback that has ever played for Chicago also resides over the worst Chicago Bears franchise that has ever existed in my lifetime at least. I don't think they've ever won three games, something like that. Like it's, it's, it's their worst record, I think. I don't know, uh, at least since they played more than like five games in a season. But that that was the problem all along. Like th this is now we're going to get them. Why, why do you think they're going to get them? Well, I mean, this is it, man. It, it, it's revenge time. We got Justin Fields. Like he's he's actually talented. And Jordan Love. Like he's just he's just that guy that's not Rodgers. And now it's now it's game over. Like that's that. The words you're saying sound kind of stupid. Am I wrong here? Because I feel like it's stupid. And guess what? It was stupid. And yeah, to be fair, if this was a established... I mean, if, if this was almost any other Bears team, forget 2018 when they had that elite defense or anything. If this was just Jay Cutler, Matt Forte, and like a, a, a solid top 12, top 10 defense like they seem to have every year, they probably win that game. Like, they know what they're doing. They're well-established. Like, they know how to... Like, they, yeah, they're not going to beat, like, a rip-roaring Green Bay Packers team, but they'll beat a, a, a first-week Jordan Love team, probably. I don't know. Just so stupid. But, but again, this is a Viking show, so even they're kind of like, you got to be kidding me. I can't believe it. Like, come on. You can't believe it? Did you watch the Bears? How freaking disrespectful are you that you, you saw the Bears last year, and you're like, there's no way the Packers beat that team. Here's a real quick snippet of CHGO. We played a little bit of them. Uh, they were one of the shows that had a live stream, but here's sort of their post-game reaction. Kind of. It's Tuesday. I want it to be a new week. <laughs> we're moving on. We're on to Tampa. Not really, though, because we're going to give our grades from this pathetic performance against the pa Packers. Hi, guys. Adam Hope. It's good enough. <laughs> just, just the absolute 
loss of hope that has already taken place. I don't need to hear their stupid grades. I know what their grades are. The team sucks. Next up, I want to play Kyle Brandt, and I especially want to hone in on Kyle Brandt because, listen, Kyle Brandt's a, he's a high-energy guy. Um, I feel like he would make a really good salesman if he decided to go into that, which he doesn't need to because I'm sure he makes plenty of money doing this. Um, I can't stand watching the shows because they're just kind of ridiculous ever since I saw him like run up and down a street for some reason, just screaming. But ever since he made that video talking about Packers fans, let's have a conversation here. Let me get down on your level. You sweet, innocent people. You don't know what's going to happen to you. You don't know what it's like. You don't know how bad it's going to be. Okay, after week one, I would love for you to explain how you were right about that. I would love to hear, you know, I tried to warn Packer fans that it was going to be brutal and that you don't have a Hall of Famer anymore and now you're not going to win a lot of football games. And as a Bears fan, I understand that. Please, uh, Kyle Brandt, do me a favor. Comfort me. Make me feel better about being a Packer fan, if you will. Well, I like to say that week one in the NFL is a liar. It is, it is a pathological liar. Weird, bizarre things happen in week one that are completely unique to week two through 18. Last year, you remember, the Bears beat the Niners week one. The year before that, the Jameis Winston Saints destroyed the Aaron Rodgers Packers. So a lot of these things, these familiar brands that we've all trusted in, they'll bounce back. The Bengals are not going to be terrible. The Steelers aren't. The Bills aren't. The one that I'm worried about is the Bears. And I'm really worried about the Bears. No, 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 Kyle. I, I asked you, you don't understand. I, I wanted you to make me feel better. Because we're the ones that are going to struggle, not the Bears. The Packers make me feel better about things. I, I think you're confused. Bears and Fields at Al, because I'm starting to see this disgusting cycle, Dan, for Justin Fields. And you start to see it where the people online and the fans will say, oh, the O-line this and the coordinator that. And that stuff carries weight for a while. But when you're in year three and you've drafted O-line and you've spent money and you've drafted the receiver, it's it's like the parent, Dan, who like the, the quarterback is their kid. And they're, you know, the kid's struggling in sports and they say, ah, oh, the coach isn't teaching him right. And the kid can't get the math test right. And we got to get new teachers. After a while, your kid is stupid and unathletic. I'm sorry, but we can only say that for so long. A kid's 17. Nick Saban's not calling, my friend. That's what I'm worried about with Fields. You know, that's funny. You failed the test, by the way, Kyle. I asked you to try to help me feel better about my life because we're the ones that are struggling. We're the ones that aren't winning football games over here as, as Packer fans. We're headed toward a dark era. And um, as a Bears fan, you should be uh, helping me acclimate to this this thing that you're used to and I'm not. So considering Bears fans are the ones that are not panicked and know how to handle this situation because you've been there before, we're the ones that you, you told me were going to be the ones that aren't going to be ready for it and aren't going to be prepared and we don't know how to handle these things. So I would love it if, if maybe next time around you could try to help speak to us. But um, I will say... He's right, obviously, because he just echoed exactly what I just said and what I, me and pretty much everybody else has been saying. How long are we going to do these excuses? And, and at this point, the excuses are going to continue partially because they don't want to give up on fields because they're just, they can't envision not having a quarter. They thought they had it and it was the most precious thing in the world and they just can't let that go. But also, they, they have run their mouth for three years. No, it's not him. It's the offensive line. No, it's the wide receivers. No, it's the coaches. No, it's the scheme. Well, now we're year two of the scheme. Is he better? No. Okay. Well, you told me the offensive line was better. You told me the wide receiver's better. What's the problem? Well, it's the scheme and it's the offensive line. Like, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. You said that was all better now. I, I literally saw dozens and dozens of Bears fans saying, no more excuses. And after one week, what are we getting? Exact same excuses. And Kyle Brandt is 100% right. At some point, you got to realize your kid is an idiot. That's the analogy part of it. I'm not saying Fields is an idiot. Necessarily, I have no idea. Maybe he's a genius. Maybe he's an idiot. But he's not a quarterback. That much I do know. But the defenses will continue. Um, and everybody else gets thrown. The last thing you ever want to be is anything on this Bears team other than Justin Fields. Because in the name of defending Justin Fields, everybody else not only gets thrown under the bus, because, you know, bad players get called bad players all the time, but you get called, like, an especially bad player. Like, you're so bad, you make our quarterback, who is elite, look like trash. Like, that's how bad you are. And one of those guys, who five seconds ago was going to be a really good addition, like, he struggled last year, because he, he's, he's kind of new to this whole thing, but this year, like, he's, he's a legit wide receiver. His name is Chase Claypool. And in closing, I'm going to do a blind item in the New York tabloid style. There is a player for the Chicago Bears who I'm not going to mention. 
I don't know what he's doing out there. He certainly doesn't look like he wants to be out there. He's a name. He's a guy you know. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't have to. If you watch five seconds of this game, you know who I'm talking about. I don't know what this player is doing, but I know he's not trying, and I don't know if he's going to be out there much longer. It's kind of weird, right? If you didn't know, that was Brant again, and he was talking about Chase Claypool, who now Bears fans want basically off the team. One week after, he was going to be the answer. He was this great number two on top of their bounce-back Mooney, who was all subservient to the great and powerful DJ Moore. Anyways, one more. Chicago Bears about as pathetic as a second half as you could possibly have, and we've seen a lot of them. That's right up there. You battle in the first half, and then you just put your hands up, and you give away your wallet in the second half. Matt Eberflus, you better get a hold of your f***ing staff, get a hold of your f***ing roster, because I'm sick of losing to the f***ing Green Bay Packers. It's f***ing pathetic, it's so f***ing old, and it's f***ing disgraceful. Figure it the f*** out, please, because the whole city is going to be f***ing dead if we don't.